The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 262 of the podcast, or you're joining me live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. So follow the page on any of those platforms if you ever want to catch the show live. Like right now, hit the subscribe button, turn on your notifications so you can join the show live, contribute. You know, if I happen to read one of your comments, or I just got a notification that we're not live on Facebook. So uh, YouTube and Twitter, welcome to the show. <laughs> I'll figure out the Facebook thing later. Uh, in any case, today's Tuesday, November 2nd for anybody keeping track. October came and went. Hope everybody had a fun, safe Halloween. I know I definitely did. Uh, if you're watching the video version, you could see that I am beardless. Uh, for the one time of the year, <laughs> as always, uh, it, the the wife always seems to come up with Halloween costume ideas that that force me to shave. Even though, you know, she swears she's a fan of the beard, but every Halloween I'm I'm shaving my beard off. Uh, this year, uh, it was my daughter's request because she wanted us to dress up as the cast of Frozen. She wanted to be Princess Anna. And she wanted me to be Prince Hans, who, if you've seen the movie, spoiler alert, Prince Hans is the bad guy. But in the beginning of the movie, he sings a love song with Princess Anna. So I don't think she realizes that he becomes the bad guy later in the movie. So she wanted me to be that character. So I obliged. And uh, she even got my parents to dress up. Um, well, mom and dad were in town for a few days visiting. Uh which was a good time. My dad and I went to see Buddy Guy and Kenny Wayne Shepherd in concert uh, here in Clearwater on Friday night. It was an awesome show. Buddy Guy, 85 fucking years old, still killing it on stage. Um, it, the guy put on a great show. I've seen him five or six times now, um, and it always impresses me. He's probably my favorite guitar player of all time. Old school blues guy, um, influenced the likes of Jimi Hendrix and Eric Clapton, and you name it. Um, any big time guitar player is probably gonna list Buddy Guy as an influence. So uh, that was a cool show, and and Kenny Wayne Shepherd is is a beast on guitar as well. Um, that, that guy is just like a blues machine. Um, so that was cool. And then, uh, my daughter convinced my parents to get dressed up for Halloween. So my, my mom got to be Elsa from Frozen and my, my dad was Kristoff, if you're familiar with the movie. And then my wife was the reindeer. She actually had the most work to put into her costume because she had to do like all makeup and antlers. It was a whole thing. But, um, my dad was miserable too, man. He he did not like it. Like my dad never did this shit when I was a kid. He would never get 
in a Halloween costume. Like he, he wouldn't even like answer the door to give out money to trick uh, money, give out candy to trick or treaters. Like he was not in the holiday spirit at all. Besides like making us watch horror movies from a, from a very young age. Um, but you know, my daughter's very persuasive. She was able to, to talk us all into it. So we all got into, uh, you know, we all played the cast of Frozen. I think it's important to do stuff like this for kids, you know, because um, they, they'll remember that you do things like that for them. That you, you know, go to such lengths to embarrass yourself, uh, you know, and then they get to see the pictures of it when they're grown and 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 see how much you, you really did to try and make their childhood special. Um, so, you know, I don't mind. It's fun. You know, we walked around the neighborhood, pulled her around in a little wagon and she was doing the trick or treating thing and, and so, so met up with some of her friends. You know, might've had a few roadies tucked away in the wagon, you know, so the wife and I could have a good time too while we're dressed up in these costumes <laughs> looking like fools. Um, but again, the most important thing is my daughter out of blast. So that's that. And, um, yeah, it seems like every year for Halloween, I'm shaving my beard off. Um, it'll come back. I mean, you guys can probably see already, uh, start starting to come back through. Uh, it'll only take me a, maybe a week and a half, like probably by the next time, by the next episode. Um, well, maybe not cause this one's coming late. So, Two episodes from now, I'll have a, I'll have a beard back, so don't worry, don't worry, folks. I know, I know a lot of uh, podcast listeners are fans of consistency, so uh, I'll have the I'll have the beard back in no time, and uh, everything will be right as rain. I get a lot of a lot of people tell me I look younger without the beard. My wife's th my wife thinks so as well, but she doesn't want me to look younger. She she likes the uh, the old grizzled look. So the beard comes back. The beard comes back. Hope everybody else had a fun Halloween as well. Going easy on the candy. I hope um, that's the toughest part when you have a three year old and like all these people are giving her candy and you have to explain to her like she can't eat it all at one time. Yeah, that's that's not too fun because at three, they don't understand a whole lot about the world and uh, diabetes and things like that. So, you know, you got to you got to try and pump the brakes. Um, but in any case, I, I hope it's self-explanatory why this episode is is coming so late because my parents were in town. They left last night and then, um, you know, I was just. Had a lot of things to catch up on last night, cleaning up the house after them and, uh, you know, just generally tired from everything. They, they, uh, wanted to take my daughter to the zoo yesterday. So we went to the Tampa zoo. That was a good time. And, um, yeah, so here we are on a Tuesday episode. I try to get the, these episodes out every Sunday and part of me thought, for a moment, why don't we just not do an episode this week? Let's just skip it um, and and pick up next week. However, 
It's a fucking Billy Quarantello fight week, folks. I could not skip the episode this week with my man Billy Q fighting on the main card at Madison Square Garden. You guys know me. I'm pretty even keel. I don't get overly excited for a lot of things. But when one of my buddies is fighting on the main card at UFC with um, with the main event, Kamaru Usman, Colby Covington, Michael Chandler, Justin Gaethje, this uh, Rose Namajunas, Wiley Zhang, this this card is so stacked, and my buddy is, is going to be a part of it. And I'll tell you what, even if he wasn't a friend of mine, I think I'd be um, picking this fight as my sleeper pick because it's getting overshadowed with all the big names on this main card. This is going to be a fantastic fight, folks. I promise you that. Neither one of these guys is, has been in a in a boring fight, I don't think. I, I certainly can't think of one. Uh, it's a big fight for Burgos because he's coming off of two losses. But, you know, those two losses were to, to uh, high-level competition. So, um, and, you know, Billy Q is on a hot streak right now. He's coming off of a big knockout win. Uh, this is the biggest fight of his career. He's fighting a ranked opponent. Again, main card, Madison Square Garden. Uh, you know, for Billy, who grew up in Lewiston, which is western New York, um, you know, this has to be a dream come true for him. So uh, happy for my guy, Billy Quarantello. I'm really excited to see him fight. Jeff the Animal Wilson is going to be in town, so we'll get to watch it together. Uh, this awesome stacked card. I don't know where Jeff is right now. I had like a small window where I was able to do this, and I texted him and asked if he was around. I sent him the link, so... He may make a cameo. He may not. Um, you know, if not, we'll we'll truck on without him and, and we'll try to get something recorded while he's in town. He's flying in on Thursday night. Um, so, you know, always looking forward to hanging out with the animal in person. I'm sure if we don't do a regularly scheduled podcast, we'll at least do some form of, of content creation while Jeff is here. And uh, we'll try to make it fun for you guys. And uh, I don't I don't have him here to uh, <laughs> to fill in the gaps when I take a sip of water. And it is just water tonight, folks. I typically don't um, drink alcohol during the week. I know it seems like I'm just a raging alcoholic, but um, I hate to disappoint you. <laughs> I try to I try to abstain on on weeknights. Um excluding Sunday night. I guess Sunday counts because Sunday's a work night and I'm usually drinking on Sundays, especially when I'm doing the show. But no no booze tonight. Instead, it's more MMA, less uh less on the rocks, so to speak. Uh so let's talk about UFC 267. Jan Blahovich putting the light heavyweight title on the line against Glover Teixeira, who becomes the second oldest UFC champion in history with a dominant victory over Jan Blachowicz. You know, I I definitely wasn't counting Glover out in this fight, but I didn't see it going down the way it did, man. Uh, you know, he got him to the ground, got him mounted at, at one point, and then stayed in his guard, beat him up, he was using that can opener neck crank, which 
if you don't know what that is, that's that's like an old school jujitsu guard opening move. You're inside somebody's guard and you, you put both hands behind their neck, almost like a tie clinch, and you just pry their neck towards so their chin touches their chest. And it hurts like a motherfucker. And the way you relieve the pressure is you have to open your guard. Um, because if your guard is closed you're, and your legs are wrapped around your opponent while they're pulling on your neck like that, uh, you're just keeping all the pressure right on your neck. And it'll really wear you out or really tire you out. It, it, it hurts really bad. Um, you, you know, I've seen guys tap to, to those. It's considered like a dick move uh, to do in the gym. You know, there are, there are other more polite ways to open the guard uh, when you're rolling in the gym. You know, for competition and for MMA, obviously anything's fine, but uh, it's something that's frowned upon. Like, it's not really, um, what's the word? It's not really etiquette in the gym to use a can opener. And it hasn't been for a long time. Like, I'm, I've been doing jujitsu about 10 years now and, you know, every gym I've gone to, they kind of like, they kind of frown upon neck cranks. For me, it's all good. Like if you, if you put me in a neck crank, I'm, I'm never going to bitch about it. Like, all right. It, if it hurts, I tap out and you, you like, you got me, like you got me to the point where it hurt so much. I didn't want to go anymore. That's kind of the point of it. But, um, you know, largely across the board, it, it's frowned upon. So, Teixeira uses that can opener quite a bit in the first round and, and Yan didn't do what he was supposed to and just uncross his legs to take the pressure off his neck. And I, I have a theory that that's why he tapped so quick uh, when Glover got the rear naked choke in. Uh, didn't look like it was under the chin. It, it could have been. It, it looked like it could have been right across the windpipe. You know, Glover has such a squeeze and there was already so much trauma to the neck um, that once he got his arms around uh, Blahovich's neck, it was it was game over. And I think that's exactly what happened. And it, and man, Tessera looked great. And I, I've, I've been hearing Jim stories about Glover Tessera for a long time. Um, my first jujitsu coach, a guy by the name of Bobby Chandler, uh he was a brown belt at the time when I met him and he had trained with Glover. And I remember, uh, I, I guess I was with him a couple of years at this point, And he was telling me, you know, Glover was about to fight John Jones. And at the time, you know, John Jones was indestructible. It seemed like, and this guy was telling me like Glover is a legit black belt. He's like, not, not like these paper black belts uh, all over the UFC. I think there's like 150 something black belts on the UFC roster or something like that. Obviously not all black belts are created equal, um, but Glover is, was like a level above the rest. So he was telling me, you know, if he gets on top of John Jones, uh, you know, he, he could put him away. Like his top pressure is, is second to none. And, you know, I've heard a lot more stories like that about Glover ever since. And unfortunately, he got started late in his career because he was having visa issues and, you know, he wasn't able to get licensed to fight and this and that. And he was a longtime training partner of Chuck Liddell. 
over at um, John Hackelman's gym in San Luis Obispo where, you know, they had a whole bunch of killers, but he was, he was Chuck's main training partner uh, during his, his big title run back in the day. And, you know, John Hackelman was always trying to tell everybody about Glover Teixeira and uh, where it never got out, but I, you know, he would just wasn't able to get in there. And then, you know, he went and had his run in other promotions and, and got to the UFC a little bit later in life. So it's awesome that he was able to realize this moment. Like, how do you not feel good for the guy? Um, obviously, also feel bad for Blahovich. I mean, here we have, you know, the champ. He has, like, such a great resume, all these knockouts, some sneaky submissions. But it, it looked like he was a little bit lost off his back, um, which is not uncommon for these bigger guys, you know. Um, these, these bigger fighters are are usually not comfortable on their back because there's not a lot of people who could put them there. But, you know, to share a snatch up that single leg, man, and it the the fact that that Blahovich wouldn't open his guard when he was put in that can opener uh, speaks to the fact that he was not comfortable with getting his guard passed. So he's like, oh, I'd rather have this guy almost break my neck than let him get past my guard because he, he might submit me. And, um, you know, that proved to be the case. Uh, you know, once the did get past the guard, um, he, you know, he was just, he was just cutting through Blahovis's defenses like butter. And then when he flattened him out and he got that choke, man, uh, pretty cool, pretty cool seeing, um, you know, the belt be put around, yeah, you know, one of the senior guys, uh, 42 years old. I, I believe that the, the oldest champion has to be Randy Couture. Cause I think he was like 45 or, uh, 46 even, um, when he won the, the heavyweight championship from Tim Sylvia. I'm sure I could look that up pretty quickly, but, um, if you look at Blahovich's resume, what he did in his forties is crazy, man. Submits Carl Robertson, uh, submits Iwan Kutilaba, decision over Nikita Krylov, TKO'd Anthony Smith in a crazy fight, submitted Tiago Santos, and then submitted Jan Blahovich. He basically <laughs> beat like the whole top 10 <laughs> in his 40s. Um, so, yeah, what, a, what an awesome performance by Glover. Um, you know, he's always been like crazy well-rounded. Uh, he's always been like right at the top, but was just never able to push through that championship caliber. And, you know, with, with John Jones leaving the division and vacating the belt, uh, things were kind of up in the air. And then, you know, it looked like Blahovich was going to be dominant um, for a while. You know, he gave Israel Adesanya his first loss, like, you know, Blahovich is no walk in the park for anybody, even though Glover made it look like it. And I guess Yuri Prochaska is going to be next. Um, I mean, that's scary. 42-year-old just won the title, and then you got to get in there with that animal. Um, I guess he was like the backup fighter for this main event, and he was in attendance. That dude is scary. I mean, he's not great on the ground. If, if Glover gets this fight on the ground, he's going to be in trouble. But he's wild, unpredictable. He throws crazy stuff in there. Um, 
but we won't have to worry about this one for a while. I think Glover said he doesn't even want to fight again until like March. Um, and it sucks if you're Blahovich, though, man, because you know here you are, your second title defense. You just get mowed over, and you know the the word rematch is not even reverberating off the walls anywhere out of anybody's mouth. So it's like, where do you go if you're Blahovich now? Um, I I would think his quickest path to the title would be if he called out Yuri Prohaska and said like, Hey, you don't want to wait till March to fight again, fight me, uh, in, you know, January or something or end of December, something like that. Call him out, get in there, try and get a win. And then, um, probably get the rematch with Teixeira, you know, if that's what he wants to do. Um, I think that would be his best bet because a win over everybody else in the division doesn't really matter because Teixeira like wrecked all these guys already. Um, so let me know what you guys think. I mean, there's a lot of good light heavyweights out there and there's a lot, even in other promotions and Bellator, especially they, they have a pretty stacked light heavyweight division. Do you think Glover Teixeira is the best light heavyweight in the world right now? Let me know in the comments uh, wherever you happen to be listening or, or send me send me something on social media. Um, I'd say right at this moment, probably is. You know, I mean, There's a lot of great guys out there, but if you look what he's done in his last six fights or so, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, and with John Jones out of the division, like, I'd, I'd say he's the best right now, you know, at 42 years old. Can he put up how, how many, how much longer can he put out performances like that? I mean, that was, that was some of the best he's looked ever. So that was awesome for him. Awesome co-main event. Peter Jan, uh, pretty clear decision victory over Corey Sanhagen. I know some people are trying to make the case for uh, Sanhagen winning that fight. Um, he didn't. Uh, and he even admitted that when he was interviewed at the end, you know, he said, you know, I don't really think I did enough to get the victory, but you know, he was in there. He went the distance with the champ, with the interim champ, Peter Jan. Um, it was like, after that first round though, it's like Jan figured him out. And then it was just, you know, it was all Jan after that point. You know, this the second round was was like kind of close, but yeah, it was all it was all Pierion. And then at, at the end of the fight, what I liked is Sanhagen was trying to finish it like he knew he needed to. He's just throwing flying knees and like whatever he could, like trying to get that Hail Mary knockout right at the end. Like you gotta admire that. Because a lot of guys, you know, they know they're beat and they're just like, oh, whatever, they'll just ride it out. But you know, right up until the last bell, Sanhagen was throwing. So you got to respect that. Um, it sucks to be Corey Sanhagen right now, you know? Yet, you know, he was on such a tear, and then he loses that close decision to TJ Dillashaw. A lot of people thought he won. And then, you know, goes the distance with Peter Young. I he, he proved that he's championship caliber for sure. I mean, he went the distance. He was in there. Like, he was never really out of the fight, like never in big trouble. Um, but you know, right now, Peter Jan's probably the best bantamweight 
you know, walking the planet right now. Let me know if you think that also, because of course we have another guy by the name of Aljamain Sterling uh, with the same gold belt roaming around out there. Uh, I'm still recovering from that neck injury. So, you know, these two are going to have to unify the belts at some point and um, we'll see how it goes. It's, it's an exciting time for the bantamweight division. You know, we got TJ Dillashaw coming back. Um, you know, we got Cheeto Vera on the rise. Uh, Frankie Edgar is still in there. You know, next week might be his last fight. I don't know. Um, Dominic Cruz still on the roster. So it's a, it's a fun time for Bantamweights right now. But uh, Peter Yan and, and Sterling have to settle that. I mean, it, if I'm Aljamain Sterling, like I want to get this done and over with because there's there's no way for him to look good at this point. Uh, you know, he, he took so much criticism. Um, he took so much criticism for the way that last fight went down with the disqual, you know, winning the belt on a disqualification, which, you know, think what you want. That's, that's what happened. Those are the rules and they were followed and here we are. Uh, and then pulling out of the fight, you know, he says, you know, of course he's going to eat more criticism. So I'm not in the business of, uh, of kicking anybody while they're down. So we'll just leave it at that. And, uh, you know, hopefully he gets the opportunity to redeem himself. Mark says that, uh, Aljamain called out Volkanovsky instead of Jan. And it really says it all. I, I didn't see that. Um, but yeah, that's true. It's not a good look. I mean, Aljamain is kind of at the point right now where he can't, like he can't, he's in a no win situation until he gets in there and, and legitimately beats Peter Jan. Like he's going to be criticized for the rest of his career for this. And, and for, you know, kind of the way he reacted after the fact where he was like kind of leaning into it and kind of playing that heel role, but then kind of backed off on that. Uh, and then, you know, having to pull out of the fight was a bad look. Um, and then, you know, the guy who stepped in on last minute, Corey Sanhagen wound up looking better against Jan than he did. So, uh, makes him look even worse. So I, I feel bad for Sterling right now. Like he's definitely one of the baddest bantamweights on the planet. And, you know, he's just, <laughs> he was put in a situation that was out of his hands and tried to deal with it the best he could and, and just kept s stepping in shit every direction he turned so oh well moving on islam makashev submitting dan hooker in the first round uh this was just a one-sided demolition uh one you know once he got dan hooker down um you know the the difference in the grappling skill here was pretty vast and then the ending so Makachev gets the Kimura and then steps over the head of Dan Hooker, which basically locks it in place. Um, you know, some schools will call it a power Kimura. Um, there's no getting out of that. So, you know, the referee, I think it was, uh, let's see, Daniel Mulvahedi calls the fight and I guess Dan Hooker was protesting saying let him break my arm 
Um, but no, the referee made the right choice there. And in the long run, Dan Hooker is going to be happy that he did because there was no escaping that position. Like there's no, there's no like, Oh, well he could have done this or he could have rolled out of it. Like you can't roll anywhere because of the leg over the head. Uh, his arm was already bent back behind his head. And this coming from a guy. And if, if Jeff was here, he would tell you too. I have, I have like freakishly flexible shoulders, so I don't, I don't tap to Kimura's in the gym. It's it's kind of like a running joke in the gym. One guy calls me the unkimorable, <laughs> which I always found funny. But um, if I was in that shit, I'd tap, <laughs> even if it is UFC main card. Like he would have ripped his arm off, and you know the damage that would have been done to ligaments and labrums and everything like that you know he would have been out i would guess eight months to a year uh to recover from that because there would be surgery and like all kinds of stuff so he's he's kind of lucky the ref stopped it and so <laughs> mark says hooker wishes he had that russian ref um yeah i guess he does like I get it. Like you have so much pride and you know, I still respect the fact that he didn't tap, but the, the fight was over. There was no, you know, there's no question. He was getting his arm ripped off. If that went another few seconds, even uh, so good job by the referee in recognizing that. And uh, you know, saving Dan hooker from some surgery, he might need it anyway. He may have torn something, with how far that was stretched as it was. Um, but I, I get the frustration from Dan Hooker. You know, he just got, he just got embarrassed, um, you know, after coming off of a, a big win and getting some confidence back, he, he just got smoked by a guy that nobody wants to fight. And that's why nobody wants to fight him. This guy's nasty. Uh, you know, he'll take your arm home with him. So, you, you know, I, I get why he was upset after the fact, but you know, I'm sure after everything calmed down, he realized that he was better off with the referee stepping in there. Alexander Volkov, unanimous decision over marching to Burra. Um, nothing really to talk about here. This was, you know, pretty, pretty straightforward fight. He, he outpointed him. Um, I thought Tabura was a little bit more aggressive, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, I have, I have no problem with the decision going to Volkov. So I don't really know what these guys were ranked or, or whatever. It seems like they would just switch places in the rankings or, or whatever. So there's that. Uh, Kamzat Shemaev coming back and it, it, he had some wacky stuff going on at the weigh-ins. I was a little confused about what even happened with him. Apparently he gets on the scale. He's overweight. And then he, he comes back to weigh in again. And he was five pounds lighter because he was doing the Daniel Cormier and holding himself up on the towel. And the guy just kind of reads the weight off. And then you hear some woman from, I guess, from the commission in the background, like, wait a minute, he lost five pounds <laughs> in, in an hour or whatever it was. So then they made him come back to the scale. Uh, and I believe he did make the weight. Um, but 
I, I don't know what the story was there. I mean, supposedly he was like, he ate a big meal the night before and then couldn't sweat the weight out in the morning. I don't know. But I definitely don't like the fact that he tried to cheat. But then he gets in there and just ragdolls Li Jing Liang. Like, this is a guy who is going to be a legit contender at some point, is a serious threat in this welterweight division. And Shamayev just threw him around like, like a toddler. Like it, it was, it, it was pretty amazing. Like picks him up, flings him against the cage. And then he's talking to Dana. So, I mean, what, what do you do with this guy? He doesn't have a ton of experience. He's only got 10 fights, but at this point he's got so much traction. Um, the only person calling him out in the division right now is Bilal Muhammad. So maybe put those two together. Um, I, I've i been reading rumors that they're trying to get Nate Diaz in there with him. And I think the only reason that that would come together is because, uh, you know, Dana wants to screw Nate over and get him beat up or something because Nate has been very candid about the fact that he's going to fill out He's going to, play out his UFC contract and then go do some boxing or, or whatever he's going to do. But he's, he only wants to do one more UFC fight and then, you know, go make some money. Um, I don't think that's, I don't think that's the, the fight. Oh, apparently Neil Magny was calling for Chemayev as well. That's a good fight. I think that's a good one to make. I think we'll really see because Magny's a good grappler. Like, really good. So I think that would be a good barometer. I believe Muhammad called him out as well, though. Um, thank you for the, the fact check there, Lamar. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know what you do with this guy because no, nobody's going to want to get in there with him. Um, the question is, can he stay? how long can he stay at welterweight? Because obviously he's having trouble making the weight. Let's just check real quick. Uh, how how old this guy is? All right, he's twenty seven. So I would say he's got probably another two years at welterweight. He's got to get himself a title shot. You know, he's already taken a few fights at middleweight, so we know he's going to move up at some point. Um, and then yeah, after that he's he's going to be a middleweight before he's thirty. I would. I would predict, um, you know, because he's having trouble making the weight now. He's a big dude. Let me see how tall he is also. Yeah, he's 6'2", and it's not like it's not like he's a lean 6'2". Like he's a muscular guy. Um, but, man, I, I, I had him beating Li Jingliang, but I didn't think it would be like that. You know, and you're choking him unconscious and just ragdolling him like like he was a grappling dummy. Um, and then I read a statistic. He's only absorbed one significant strike in the UFC. So the, the guy's, you know, hard to hit. It seems like he can wrestle anybody to the ground. Supposedly, he's taken down Alir Latifi, who's fighting at heavyweight now, taking him down in the practice room. Um this is a scary dude, man. I don't know. 
I don't know who would want to fight him. It's got to be somebody with crazy knockout power who can also fight off of their back. Um, you know, that's the person who's going to have the most success against him. But, you know, maybe someone like a Neil Magny, because Magny can wrestle. Magny's good off his back. He knows how to protect himself. Um, so that could be a good fight. Um, let's see. Magomed Ankalaev, unanimous decision over Volkan Ozdemir. You know, Ozdemir was looking good for the first, you know, two and a half minutes or so of this fight. And I think that's around when he got dropped. And then after that, it was all Ankalaev. Um, you know, here's a guy who obviously has a wrestling pedigree, but, you know, won this fight on the feet against a guy who's strictly a striker. You know, we know Ozdemir doesn't want to wrestle if he can help it. And even he was shooting for takedowns at the end of the third round. Um, so that speaks to how good Ankalaev is on the feet. Um, really impressive performance from him. And that dude is just a monster too. Um, the Russian takeover has arrived. Yeah, it seems that way. Seems that way. I think they, I guess they had almost a clean sweep of victories on this card. So, uh, Amanda Hibas, unanimous decision over Virna Jandiroba. Uh, so Jandiroba won that first round, I believe. And then, um, you know, Hibas made some adjustments and, and really battered this girl, especially in the third round coming away with the unanimous decision. So that was a, that was a good fight there. Um, let's see for the sake of time. I'm going to skip over a lot of the prelims. Lerone Murphy with that nasty uh, knee KO, 14 seconds in the second round over Makwan Amirakani. Michael Olajanchuk and Shamil Gamzatov. Uh, Olajanchuk uh, getting that first round TKO. And I believe Gamzatov, if I'm correct, was he undefeated going into this? Yep. So that was his first loss. Big KO win for Olajanchik, who's, you know, solid, solid contender. What else we got? We got, you know, the Dos Santos fight and the Benoit St. Dennis. I mean, I don't know what, what to say about this that hasn't been said already. You know, obviously, this referee had no business refereeing a professional fight. And it was weird because the UFC was actually the sanctioning body since this fight took place in uh, in Abu Dhabi. So there's no like athletic commission or anything like that. So the UFC hires the officials and um, they're not going to be hiring that guy again because he let Benoit St. Dennis take some serious brain damage. Like the, the guy was like clearly not responding and was allowed to continue fighting. And, you know, I'm all for the, the jokes and the memes and, and everything like that. And I, I'll, I'll even laugh at a few of them. I've seen the, the Mario Yamazaki uh, comparisons, but at the end of the day, man, that's dangerous. Um, That's dangerous. And Mark is telling me that uh, the French fighters coach defended the ref. 
So I guess, I don't know, that fighter owes him money or something. You know, he wanted to see him get get hurt and and beat up. Um, you know, a lot of people criticizing the, the corner for not throwing the towel in. You know, the corner is supposed to know their fighter and know how much they can take, but, um, you know, you also have to know, like, how much a human being can take. And at some point, you know, you got to pull your guy out of there because, you know, even if you, even if you come back and win by like some miracle, like you, you still took all that damage in the process. So, you know, there has to be, um, you know, hopefully there's going to be some repercussions for this referee, although I doubt it. Um, I say this every time something like this happens. There needs to be a governing body over all of the athletic commissions that can hold judges and referees accountable for things because there's no accountability. You know, yeah, maybe he'll never do a, a UFC fight, but um, don't think this guy won't appear on a regional fight card or something like that. I don't think he's going to get fired or – you know, have his license revoked or anything like that. So this guy's going to get back in there with some fighters. And, you know, hopefully it's with, you know, fighters who have coaches that are willing to throw that towel. And I know that's got to be a hard call, you know, because you, your fighter's going to hate you for it. Like ever, especially this guy, uh, Bonoy St. Dennis, I guess he was a special operations in the French military. Like the guy was prepared to die in there. So unfortunate situation uh, that took place on a very solid card, you know, especially since it was free. Um, I had a hard time watching this one because it was on early in the day, which I know I always say I like the early cards, but you know, with my parents visiting, I wasn't able to watch like when it started and it's really hard to go back and watch the fights. Um, with the ESPN plus, like I wish they would break it down by fight uh, a little earlier because like when you fast forward through, you know, all the fluff in between the fights, you can't see what you're skipping. So it's hard to tell. Like you basically just have to go by the timer. Anyway, one of my many laundry list of complaints about ESPN plus, but solid card. I did miss some of it because I think when, you know, part of my fast forwarding and rewinding and trying to catch everything, I, I skipped over a few and, and I, I wasn't really keeping track. It was 14 fights on this card too. So, um, <laughs> and Mark, Mark fellow says that the uh, fight card was on at 3 a.m. Um, it, if that was the case here, if it came on at 3 a.m., I would wait till the next day to watch it. And by then, they would have it broken down by fight. So you could just watch this fight, this fight, this fight. The only thing is you have to, like, turn on the ESPN app and, like, kind of navigate through so you don't see any results. Um, that's the tough part. But I know you're a diehard fan, Mark, and you, you had no problem staying up till 3 a.m., putting a few beers back to – uh to catch this card. So let's see. We're about 45 minutes in here. 
Let's talk next week. I already told you guys I'm most excited. UFC 268, Madison Square Garden. I'm most excited for my buddy Billy Quarantello and Shane Burgos, obviously. I mean, these, these guys have a similar record. They both are, are pressure strikers. They're both well-rounded. Um, they, they both have crazy chins. Um, so I, I'm – I'm excited. I'm nervous. Um, you know, the, the biggest question is going to be how Burgos bounces back from that KO loss to Barboza. Um, you know, he, he had been knocked out before by Calvin Cater. Um, but the Barboza knockout was, was pretty bad. So we got to see how he's going to bounce back from this. Um, it's a huge fight for him because coming off of two losses here, you know, he's in a must win situation, but out of the two, he is the ranked fighter, which makes it a high pressure fight for Billy. You know, it's his first time fighting a ranked opponent, you know, and one of his, uh, one of his only criticisms that I've heard on, on some other breakdown shows so far is that, you know, he hasn't had a high level of opponent and his, Highest level opponent and Gavin Tucker gave him the most trouble and he, he lost that fight. So um, the thing about Billy is, you know, knowing him personally is that Gavin Tucker fight lit a fire under him. And then look how he came back out um, in the fights after that. So uh, how do you not love this fight? Um. And it sucks too because I'm a fan of Burgos. I like watching him fight, but he's he's in there with my he's getting in there with my buddy. So I gotta I gotta root one way, and and this is also why like I have I have a lot of clear bias, which is why I never give you guys betting advice and every, anything like that. I don't want you putting your hard earned money on anything I have to say, which is why I usually give you the the path to victory for both guys um, instead of making a pick. That's not part of my thing here. I'm not one of these betting guys. Uh, if you want that, go check out Dan, Tom and the protect, protect your neck podcast. You know, he's all about betting lines and, and breaking stuff down. Um, I'm just, you know, a little bit more, well, this guy could win this way and this guy could win this way. Who knows? <laughs> and that's, that's genuinely how I feel a lot of the times. You know, even people who know me personally outside of the show that listen to the show, they're like, no, come on. Who do you really think is going to win this? You know, because they're looking to to put some money down or something. And I, I'm usually like up in the air, you know, I'll very rarely will will have a definite answer, especially for for marquee fights like Kamaru Usman and Colby Covington, the rematch uh, Two two guys also similar styles. Um, similar records, 19 and one for Usman undefeated in the UFC, 16 and two for Colby Covington. You know, they both got submitted early in their careers. And then of course, Covington had the, the knockout loss to Usman. Some people think it was an early stoppage. I thought the first fight was incredible. 
uh, it was back and forth. You had two high level wrestlers, you know, a division one, all American in Covington and a division two national champion in Kamaru Usman. And these guys slugged it out on the feet, not one takedown in sight. Um, I had it two rounds a piece going into that fifth round. Uh, and it was stopped, you know, very late at the end of the fifth. Uh, Colby was really upset that it got stopped and, and, you know, he's leaning into that story. He's saying he wasn't out. And, um, you know, there was a rumor going around that his jaw was broken. Uh, but then it, it was, there was like a fake x-ray going around and Covington was even like, why would I release an x-ray of if I broke my jaw and nobody's, nobody would see the x-ray, but me. Uh, so was it fake? Was it not? You know, you never know with Colby because he's always playing a character. So you get the like boy who cried wolf's syndrome going on there. Like you don't really know if he's telling the truth or not, or if he's being genuine, or if he's, or if he's just in character. That's that's kind of the downside of of choosing to play a character like he's doing. Um, you know, when you really have something honest to say people are going to be hard pressed in believing you. So when you look at this fight, it's like, well, it was so close the first time, right? So the question becomes who got better? You know, Colby Covington's only had one fight since then. It was against Tyron Woodley. And, you know, I guess technically he beat Woodley worse than Usman beat him because he finished him, uh, broke his ribs. Um, but beat him up in a similar fashion that Usman did. Usman has added some punching power, you know, in his last, you know, knocking out Gilbert Burns and then knocking out Masvidal, two guys who I think combined have 70 something fights and they've, they've only been knocked out like combined three times. Some, something ridiculous like that. I'm not a big stats guy, but um, you know, he's knocking out guys that have really good chins historically. Um, so obviously he's added that to his, his repertoire. And, you know, some would argue he even had the punching power in the Covington fight. You know, Colby can take a shot though. It, it just, you know, it was the volume of strikes that added up and, um, you know, put him down in the end. How's this fight going to go differently? I don't know. Um, I don't know if one of these guys is going to try and wrestle, try and come in there with a, with a different game plan. They both felt the other's punching power. Um, they both have really high-level wrestling. Uh, they both, neither of them really get taken down. I don't think Usman's ever been taken down in a UFC fight. But if anybody could do it, it's Colby Covington. And if Colby Covington's never been taken down, if anybody could do it, it's Kamara Usman. So will there be a different strategy? Last time there was a lot more bad blood leading up to the fight. You know, they were talking a lot of trash and it was building up for a long time. This time it's been a little bit quiet. So I would expect a different kind of fight. I don't expect them to come out guns blazing like they did in the first one. I would imagine that one of them is going to have the game plan to make it a bit of a grappling match and test the other's cardio. And both of them have, you know, two of the best gas tanks in the sport, not just in the division, not just in the UFC, in the sport of MMA. You're looking at two of the best gas tanks right here. 
Colby Covington, Kamaru Usman. Uh, these guys will go for 25 minutes with anybody, you know, until somebody stops it. Um, there, there's no quit in either of these guys. And, you know, they can both floor it, you know, pedal to the metal for 25 minutes. Uh, no problem. You know, Colby's got a third lung. Usman is is an amazingly conditioned athlete. Athlete. Um, this is I'm really looking forward to this main event. Uh, on paper, you know, it looks like you know Usman's a favorite, rightfully so. He did finish Colby in the first meeting. It looks like he's improved more. Uh, than Colby has, but we haven't seen a lot of what Colby's been working on. You know, he's been at a new gym for uh, over a year now. So did they add any weapons to his toolbox? Um, we don't really know. But on paper, it looks like Usman is the one who has improved the most since the last fight, as far as the evidence we have in, you know, the three combined fights that they've had since their first meeting. So that's an exciting one. And then Rose Nami Yunus uh, putting the title on the line against Wiley Zhang. You know, the first one, this was a, a kind of the same scenario. You know, Zhang protested the stoppage. It, it was definitely a good stoppage, though, in the first fight. And, um, you know, we didn't get to see a whole lot of these two in there together. We didn't get to see, you know, how they tested each other when it, when it got like real gritty. And I think we're going to get a chance to see that this time. Um, this is another great matchup. I, I think, you know, this has the potential to be an epic fight. They're both really good, great strikers. Um, Rose has really slick jujitsu. Um, this is another one. Like what will the game plan be? Will they both have the same game plan to come in and, and just trade blows? I don't know. Then you've got, uh, Justin Gaethje and Michael Chandler. I mean, how do you not love this fight? Two guys with very similar styles. Um, both have uh, high-level wrestling backgrounds. Uh, both would rather not use them. However, Michael Chandler will use his offensive wrestling. Justin Gaethje, every time you think he's going to, he doesn't. Um, so I think it's pretty safe to assume Gaethje's not shooting for a takedown in this fight. Michael Chandler might, but Michael Chandler is really in love with that overhand right and, and knocking people out. Um, Gaethje, known for those leg kicks, one of the most powerful leg kicks in the game. And Chandler has shown in the past to have some susceptibility to leg kicks. Uh, these are both guys that will throw leather until one of them is out and maybe even beyond that. You know, we saw in the Eddie Alvarez fight, Justin Gaethje was fighting like a chicken with his head cut off. Like he was unconscious and still coming forward, trying to swing at Eddie. Um, so that's the level of toughness you're dealing with there. Both of these guys are next level tough. Uh, good luck breaking either one of them. Uh, they both hit incredibly hard. Uh, I might venture to say that Michael Chandler even has a little bit more punching power than Gaethje, but you know, Gaethje uh, has put people down. And Mark, I know you're being facetious when you say Gaethje can wrestle and you phrase it as a question. 
But yes, Justin Gaethje, Division One All American in Colorado, um, and Michael Chandler, another beast of a wrestler. But he'll actually use it in there. Uh, will he try and use it against Gaethje? Who knows? Because you know he knows the level of wrestling Gaethje has, so he might not waste his energy. You know, we might just see a striking battle here. Um, the other thing about Gaethje is he's not. He's gotten a lot more patient, you know, since his losses to Poirier and and Eddie Alvarez. Um, and, you know, that maybe he won't get engaged in, in a brawl as easily as he would have, you know, when he first came to the UFC or back when he was in the World Series of Fighting. Uh, so just a, a really exciting fight. This card is so stacked. Obviously, I already spoke at length about Shane Burgos and Billy Quarantillo, Frankie Edgar and Cheeto Vera. I've heard rumblings that this could be Frankie Edgar's last fight. Um, man, just one of my favorite fighters of all time. I, I always enjoyed watching Frankie Edgar fight. Um, you know, his, his fights with gray Maynard are, are some of the greatest fights in UFC history. And, and the fact that he won the championship at 155 is just insane now, considering that he's fighting at 135 pounds. Um, but here we are. You know, Cheeto Vera is is a guy who's like really finding his stride. He's really found his confidence in there. Um, I'm going to take a look at his last few fights. Yeah, okay, so unanimous decision over Davy Grant in his last fight, and then the loss to Jose Aldo, and the win over Sean O'Malley, and then decision loss to Yudong Song. But this is a guy who has really like, found his groove um, in the UFC as of late. So this is going to be a tough one for Frankie, but Frankie is like a master of game planning. Um. And, you know, he might, he might put something together to, you know, outpoint Cheeto Vera. Frankie's got, you know, he's got five round cardio easily. And this is a three round fight. Um, you know, he's, but Bruce is making the point here that, you know, Frankie's had a bunch of, of knockout losses lately. Um, and uh, it's cruel to want him to keep fighting. Look, I don't want, I don't want anybody to keep fighting uh, if they don't, if they don't want to be in there. Um, let's see. If you say you want Frankie to keep fighting, means you don't have his well-being in mind because he's just going keep getting sent to hell. All right, fair point. That's a fair point. Um, yeah, I wouldn't want anybody doing this, um, you know, beyond a certain point, you know, if they're if they're just taking so much damage. Um, I, I would be perfectly fine if if Frankie Edgar decides to retire after this. I think he has a he's had a Hall of Fame career, deservedly so. You know, he won the he won the UFC championship at his walk around weight. Uh, I mean, end of story, Hall of Fame. Put him in. Um, you know, this is going to be, it, it's not going to be an easy fight for Cheeto Vera. You know, he's, 
He's struggled with guys who pressure him, and Frankie Edgar is going to pressure him. You know, it, say what you want about Frankie Edgar's chin as of late. Um, the dude's still a grinder. Um, let's see. Bruce says that Frankie Edgar probably has enough money to retire unless he spent all the money on hookers and cocaine. Yeah, I I don't think uh, I don't think that's his scene. Seems like a like a family guy, but um, you know those are always the ones you got to watch out for. You know, guys who dress up on Halloween uh, for their kids. You know, they they might be into some seedy stuff behind the scenes. Let's see what else we got here. Let's skip around a little bit. Ally Quinta getting back in there after a layoff with Bobby Green. Uh, Bobby Green, man. So he's been the opposite of Ally Quinta. He's been super active lately, and he's been looking great. He's at a new camp. He's been fighting patiently, not engaging in brawls like he used to. Um, if it was the Bobby Green of old, that that would you know, just get in there and slug it out with guys. I would definitely favor Ally Quinta in this fight. But this new reinvented Bobby Green uh, is going to be a, a hell of a test, especially considering Al has been out of it for a while. And, and Al is a guy who has spectacular timing with his strikes. And that, that's what's brought him a lot of success. But, uh, Timing is something that you lose, you know, when you're not staying active, because when you're sparring, your timing's different. You're wearing headgear, you're wearing 16 ounce gloves, you know, whatever the case, you know, maybe you'll get in there and go light uh, with the MMA gloves on or like some MMA sparring gloves. But, you know, you're not throwing full speed at, at guys' heads in the gym um, sparring with MMA gloves on. And it's just a different thing. So, all things considered, I think this is going to be a great fight. Um, you know, you know, it's two guys who both they both have knockout power. Um, I I have a feeling they both respect each other a lot, um, and you know, may the best man win. I think this is going to be a fun fight. Phil Hawes and Chris Curtis, another fun one. And we got Edmund Shabazian, who's technically still ranked in the middleweight division, is an underdog against Nasruddin Imavov. Uh, so that's an interesting fight to me. Uh, you know, Shabazian had a hard time in his last two fights, two tough losses, but, you know, look at who they were against. Let's see, who Derek Brunson beat the brakes off of him, and who else was it? Let's check this out real quick right here. Jack Hermanson. All right. Yeah, Jack Hermanson beat him up too. But you're talking about a kid who's 23 years old and, you know, knocked out Brad Tavares with a head kick. And then they throw him to Derek Brunson, you know, and the new Derek Brunson, who's just, you know, not running face first at people and he's using his wrestling and, uh, Etc. So, uh, will Shabazian have you know be able to redeem himself here? But Imavov, I mean, there's a there's a reason this guy is the favorite here. Yeah, he's coming off of that knockout of Ian Heinish. Uh, he does have a decision loss to Phil Hawes, but 
Um, you know, other than that, he hasn't lost since 2017. So, and the only time he was finished was his first professional fight back in 2016. So, this is a fun fight at 185 pounds. I, I mean, this whole card is fun fights. Let's see. Uh... Yeah, let's let's just call it there. I don't know what Jeff Sleeper pick would be, but um in any case. Mark wants to know if Jeff and I are going to the fight. No, unfortunately not, because the fights are in New York and I'll be in Florida and uh Jeff is coming down here to Florida. So uh I would have loved to to go to this um just just to support uh, my buddy Billy Quarantello. I'm actually I'm not a huge fan of the live events. You know, I'd rather just be home with a bottle of whiskey, watch it on TV, and then go to bed. You know, I'm not I'm not a big like go to sporting events kind of guy. Um, you know, I've I've been to my fair share of them and they've been awesome. I've always enjoyed myself, but I'm just at a point in my life where it's nice to be home. <laughs> so uh, traveling to go see one of these things is not on the agenda anytime soon. And let's see. What else do we have here? Any news going on? Any fun stuff? Nothing really. I think that'll about do it. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing is that these events have gotten to be so expensive. Like, I remember uh, when I first started watching, you'd, you'd be able to get, you know, a decent ticket for like 55 bucks, you know, where you'd be up in the mezzanine or, or something. You can, and that's actually the best place to be because I've been down like close at the UFC. Um, fights and it's hard to see into the cage especially if they're like on the other side uh, and then you gotta break your neck like looking up at the screen uh, I like sitting in like that second balcony where you can look down into the cage um, it, that's that's the best spot and then you're kind of like eye level with the monitors too if you want to watch on the screens <laughs> and Mark of course wants to know when the whiskey round is debuting um, I know I keep, I know I keep pushing this back. I got the logo and everything. Now I just have like video editing to do. So soon, Mark, soon, all in good time, my friend. And, uh, that's it. I'm sure Jeff, the animal Wilson is bummed. He didn't make it onto the episode, but you know, he understands cause I was, uh, spending time with the family all weekend and Halloween and everything else. So, I'm sure you guys are. That's why I try to get it out on, get the show out on Sunday. Because at this point, everybody's like sick of hearing about the fights that already happened and and the fights that are coming up. Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. Sometimes I put an episode out on a Wednesday, and it'll do better than uh, you know the last five episodes combined. So obviously, I haven't figured this shit out yet. After uh, after five plus years of podcasting you would think i would know what i'm doing by now but 
sadly not the case. I know about a few things in this life. Fighting is one of them. Drinking is another one. Dressing up like a Disney prince. I guess I can add to that. And um, that's it. I have pretty good grammar. <laughs> but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not great at podcasting. But it's fun. So I do it anyway. In any case, if you guys want to grab some MMA on the Rocks merchandise, you can do so through our friends at Team Reaper, reaper1.co. I'll put the links in the show notes, as always, if you want to grab an over-the-top, under-the-influence T-shirt, hoodie, or tank top. And uh, use the promo code MMARocks10. Save yourself 10% on your whole order, whether you are buying our merchandise or not. Um, and Team Reaper, I know I haven't uh, really built them up in a while, but they're an awesome company. They really do a lot for the fighters. If you're buying a fighter T-shirt, um, you know, a good portion of it is going in the fighter's pocket. So if you're someone who is always advocating for fighter pay, then, you know, go buy a t-shirt and put some money in their pockets. Uh, you know, the, these guys and girls are out there hustling. So support them. That's all I can say. And let's see. I don't know what's going to happen with the show next week because Jeff will be here, but he's flying out early Sunday morning. So depending how late the fights go, um, maybe we'll jump on and do a, do a post-fight. You know, like right after the pay-per-view ends, we'll try and get a show. But we'll, we'll get some kind of content out for you guys while Jeff is here. Um, you know, Maybe an episode of the Whiskey Round. Maybe we'll get Jeff drinking again. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. In any case, if you want to get a hold of Jeff and tell him how much you missed him on the show this week, you can do so at Animal underscore Wilson, Twitter and Instagram. And you guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at MMA on the Rocks, Facebook, and all that stuff. You can email me, MMA on the Rocks, gmail.com. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Please, uh, if you can, leave a review uh, wherever you happen to be listening or viewing. Leave a thumbs up. Leave some comments on the YouTube videos. Um, it, it really helps the algorithm quite a bit. And uh, that's all I got. So until next time, cheers, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>